How are you guys doing? Summer is here, right? It has arrived. Yeah, I'm excited about being able to share with you, uh, with us today, about uh, encouragement. Alelon is, uh, is the word that, uh, for the summer, because it's the Greek word that means one another. Randy shared with us last week, there's, there's about 100 one another's in the scripture. Uh, the most prevalent command uh, overall is kind of an umbrella command, is to do all these wonderful things for one another. So, Alelon, and so Randy asked me, uh, what would, what's your favorite one another, and would you like to speak uh, on today? And I said, yep, I, I think uh, my favorite one is encourage one another. So I've, I've titled the, the message, The Power of Unconditional Encouragement, uh, and um, I'll explain that a little bit later, uh, what I mean by unconditional encouragement. But just first, some scriptures, First Thessalonians 5.11 it says, therefore, encourage Alelon and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Isn't it interesting that even though they were doing it, he said, keep on doing it. In other words, you know how you always are? Keep being that way. Be encouraging. And then another couple of scriptures, uh, Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Wow. That's one way to keep us out of the destruction and the deceitfulness of sin is to maintain a constant state of encouragement among one another. Isn't that awesome? Yes, it is, Dave. And then, uh, <laughs> yes. Hebrews 10.25, I just ask myself a question. Sometimes I answer. Anyway, Hebrews 10.25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the closer we get to the second coming and to the end of all things, the more we should be encouraging one another. I just want to say that uh, it, it occurred to me some time back that I am the, project, uh, the product. I'm also a project, but I'm a product of encouragers in my life. First and foremost is my wife, Sandy. She's, she's the best encourager in my life, hands down. She's encouraged me in so many ways, and in almost every day of my life, I can, I can say she's been an encouragement to me. Years ago, when we were first married, uh, I had not uh, ever sung in public in my whole, whole life, and uh, Sandy would hear me kind of joking around in cartoon voices singing in the car. And she would say, Dave, you've got a boy, good voice, a good singing voice. And I would go, no, you know, and I would just laugh it off and, and poo-poo it. And she just kept at it. She's, that's one of her amazing characteristics is she's determined. <laughs> and uh, so she just kept encouraging me and kept encouraging me. And then uh, we moved to our first job in a church uh, in North Carolina, and we had a basement, and in that basement was old battle axe upright piano, and I would sit there and play the piano and sing, but not in front of her. And she would be upstairs. She would hear the piano, and she would open the door, and I'd hear her open the door, and, she, and I would stop singing. And then when she'd shut it, I'd start singing. And uh, it was kind of foolish. If I look back, uh, it's kind of silly, because she is my number one you know, fan and encourager. But one night I had this dream vision experience where I just saw Colossians 3.16, you know, like etched in stone 
all night long. I think it was a night vision, is what it was, but I was asleep. So being very bright, I woke up in the morning and I said to myself, self, maybe God's trying to speak to you. So I went to the scripture and it says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. It was at that moment I realized that not only did Sandy think it was a good idea, but God did too. So I started to move out and begin to actually sing in public. And then as a result of that, became a worship leader and have done, done that for decades now. And it's one of my favorite things to do. Sandy encouraged me into that life. Um, there's a guy named Scott Rieger who some of you know because he has roots in the, very, in the 80s in this church right here. And uh, there was a time when I was sharing with him over coffee uh, my idea about starting this school of supernatural ministry, but I was scared. Anybody ever been scared of something God called you to do? In fact, if you're not scared of it, go back and ask God for your true calling <laughs> until you get scared. Because he usually calls you to something that you don't think you can do. You think you can, but then you think you can't. And you, you need some encouragement. He said, Dave, I'm going to tell you something I never tell anybody who comes to me for business advice, and that is this. I can't think of a single reason why you shouldn't do this school. And somehow it clicked for me when he said that. You know, everybody needs somebody in their life to tell them the obvious from time to time. Because we're not so, so self-aware. And so uh, it clicked, and that was the thing. If I could point to one thing, it was that thing that he said to me over coffee at Starbucks. Also, Randy Gooder, pastor, our pastor, uh, said to me, David, can you think of any uh, prophecy in your life that somehow doesn't find its fulfillment in doing this school? Oh, I thought that, that's a great question. And as I thought about it, I thought, no, I can't think of any prophecy that doesn't somehow find its nexus in what, what it is that I'm getting ready to do. I got encouraged. I'm the product of encouragement. And then I just want to say kudos to you, this church. I've had a, an assignment for the last several years until not that long ago, uh, elsewhere leading worship. And when, I, when we started to come here, uh, I can't tell you how many people it, one by one would come up from t one Sunday to the next and just say, I just want to let you know, so glad you're here. So glad you're here. So glad you're here. And uh, that is so encouraging. I want you to give yourselves a hand. All right? You are great. This is a very, very encouraging place. So I'll, I just want to warn you, if you don't want to be encouraged, run for the exits right now. Hurry. Because there's going to be more encouragement flowing here uh, today. Um, so I'm going to talk about um, two, two aspects of encouragement. First of all, the value of encouragement to you and the, and the power of encouragement through you. Because most of the time, in order to get encouragement to you, you have to get encouragement to you. Now, it's possible, when you're feeling discouraged, to encourage other people. Am I right? Sometimes you can, just, you can step outside of what you're presently feeling about your life, and you can encourage other people. But by and large, we give out of the overflow. I kept hearing that word during worship, overflow, overflow, overflow. And I believe God wants us overflowing with encouragement, that being a goal of our life. So I want to ask you this question. What's your CQ? What is your courage quotient? 
One time somebody asked me, Dave, how are you doing? Are you encouraged, discouraged, or maintaining? Well, what a great question. And you know what? You know what happened when he asked me that question? I had to think for a few seconds before I could answer because I wasn't aware of what was going on inside of me. You know how you sometimes go in autopilot and you just live life and you're not really consciously aware of what kind of emotional environment you've got going on inside? And so it was great for me to go, okay, five's maintaining, zero would be extremely discouraged, and 10 would be extremely encouraged, and then able me it to pick a place on that continuum and figure out where I was. So I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. We're not going to ask you to stand up or, no, not now, but we're not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything, but where are you on this continuum right now? And, and I just want an honest, uh, honest answer. You know, don't, don't say, well, I should be in an eight. Don't give eight if that's not where you're at, but where are you right there? Right there. Just, I'm going to give you a couple seconds just to think about that and to self-diagnose, make an assessment. Where are you on the, on the encouragement scale? I was thinking yesterday, what if there were a CQ magazine? <laughs> you know, like from, from Bible days. Who would be on the cover of CQ magazine one month? <laughs> Gideon? Yeah? He'd be on there. You know, it'd be one, one, one issue, he wouldn't be anywhere in there. <laughs> the next issue, he'd be on the cover, right? Who else would be on there? Peter. He walked on water. You know, so a lot of guys who would be on the cover of, and gals who would be on the cover of CQ magazine. Well, I, wanna, I want us to think about another thing. Let's go to the next slide. And I want you to entertain this thought. What is God's CQ? What is his courage quotient anyway? What do you think? How encouraged is God? Mike Bickle put it this way. Is God mostly mad, mostly sad, or mostly glad? You know, I think a lot of people live as if God is discouraged. I heard uh, about, you know, prophetic ministry. Somebody actually gave a prophecy one time that says, don't worry, I know that you are discouraged, says the Lord. I, the Lord, get discouraged sometimes myself. (laughs) Some of us have have this idea that God is, is not only angry, but he's depressed. And while it's true that God is moved by the human condition, what's going on in the earth and the tragedies, and he does cry with us over the condition of people, he also stands outside of time, and he knows the end from the beginning, and he knows how how this all all ends up. And he is supremely encouraged. He is full of courage. He's the most courageous and encouraged being in the universe. The Bible says that Jesus carried the oil of of gladness above his fellows. He was the happiest person around. So my suggestion to us is not that we somehow in our minds bring God down to our level of encouragement, but that we instead pull ourselves up to his level of encouragement. That's a good word right there. So some points to ponder, some questions to ask ourselves. First is, have you confused discouragement with humility? I've known some folks in in my life that seem to do this. Like, they're discouraged all the time, but they've kind of spiritualized their discouragement, and then they're giving off a vibe that this is what it's like to be humble. 
is to be discouraged. And I just want to suggest... <laughs> no, no. This is something that we need to, to fight. You know, the, the, the tendency to spiritualize depression. It doesn't say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the despondency of your maker. It's joy. In his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. God is, and even the Bible talks about the, the glorious gospel of the blessed or happy God. The glorious gospel of the happy God. The good news of the happy God. Right. Wow. That's a, that's a perspective changer for a lot of us, isn't it? Another question to ask and consider. Are you justifying discouragement with realism? I'm not really uh, discouraged, brother. I'm just being realistic. Again, as it is said in the book, <laughs> I don't think that's a good plan to sanctify discouragement and call it realism. Granted, there are problems on the earth, and I'm not saying we need to go all around happy, happy all the time because we have problems and we need to weep with those who weep. What I'm saying is that our general disposition needs to be encouragement if we want to be like our God. Because his CQ is, I think it goes up past 10 all the way to 11. God is very encouraged. And finally, are you, are you encouragement resistant? Have you ever tried to encourage somebody and you feel like it's bouncing right off of them, back to you? Some people sort of tend to live encouragement resistant. We have a grandson uh, who's six, and he, we just cannot get him to eat. He just, at mealtime, he just does not eat. He's no, not interested in food whatsoever. And it's weird. We had to bribe him and say, you know, if you want to go to the park, you have to eat five bites. I, we hear his mom saying, even over the phone, take another bite. Take another bite. He just doesn't eat. I mean, he eats eventually. But you know what I'm saying? You just have to really make him eat. It hasn't clicked that food is good. <laughs> food, life, it all goes together. Yeah, one day it will. Uh, he has some interesting excuses. I'm too tired. I'm too tired to eat. But my favorite one of all is, it's not letting me. <laughs> What's not letting you? Some unseen force is emanating from the grilled cheese sandwich saying, I'm not letting you. <laughs> He's resistant. He's food resistant. Encouragement is food. We need it to thrive. God wants us to thrive. So I'm saying, are, do you have some kind of excuse for not eating encouragement? I, I, you know, it's, it's cute when Marcus is saying, it's not letting me at six. If he's saying that at five, at, you know, in the fifth grade, it's a problem. It's not letting me. Sometimes I know, uh, because I grew up in a, in, a, in a fashion where there was a whole lot of encouragement um, around me in my environment, and sometimes you get used to that, and sometimes it just becomes familiar. It's just like, that's what's familiar to me, 
That's what I know. So I'm more comfortable with what I know, even though it's negative. And I want to suggest to you that, that God makes a way for us to step out of that way of thinking, out of what we have known into something else. So I suggest we should be vulnerable and receptive to encouragement. Put your hand over your heart right now. Let's just go after that. Now let's just declare this over our hearts. You know, David said, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. He talked to himself, didn't he? He said, why are you down? Put your hope in God. So let's, let's do a little self-talk, all right? I just want to, you can just repeat after me. I declare, I'm not encouragement resistant. I decide right now to be vulnerable to encouragement and to be an encourager in the earth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, that felt good, didn't it? Next thing I want to say about being encouraged and getting encouragement to you is something I stole from Bill Johnson. It's how to stay encouraged every day of your life. How to stay encouraged every day in your life is to, is to focus on what God has done and what God is doing and not what God hasn't done. How many of you have unanswered prayers in your life? Things that God hasn't done. Come on. How many of you have unanswered prayers at this moment? Sure, we all do. How many have you, of you have things that are not, have not changed even though you wanted them to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We make those things our focus. It's very easy to be distressed and downcast. But if we concentrate on what God has done and what he is doing, it's amazing the effect that that has on our mood, right? I just, sometimes I just have to drive down the road and just rehearse what God has done and is doing right now in my life. And I am able to encourage myself just from focusing on his work. I just want to encourage you to practice that. That's part of tending the garden of your heart. Now I just want to address um, the title of this message. What is unconditional encouragement? Well, I believe that unconditional encouragement comes out of unconditional love. How many of you believe that God loves us unconditionally, right? And that we are to love others unconditionally as he loves us, right? So unconditional encouragement, therefore, must emanate from a heart that's unconditionally loving. To be an unconditional encourager, our encouragement has to be agenda-free, with nothing in it for us. It's not a fishing expedition that says, I'm going to encourage you, and then I'm, I'm expecting you to encourage me. Kind of like, you know, enough about me, let's talk about you. What do you think of me? <laughs> <sighs> to, to be an encourager... In an unconditional way, it means to shine light on the value of another who bears the image of God, simply because they bear the image of God. And this, this one right here convicts me. It sticks me right in my heart. Our unconditional encouragement is tested when people around us are not behaving as we think they should. At these times, we must recognize we can encourage others while neither endorsing nor condemning them in their behavior. Wow, it's important. And I realize that sometimes my, uh, my encouragement, uh, sometimes I, I feel like I want to call in my markers, you know? I give an encouraging, a prophetic word to somebody, and, and, they, and they, react, they respond with a great 
uh, like recognition. Wow, that's so right on. And there's tears and all that. And a month later, I found myself, sometimes when I'm around them, I want them to bring that up again. Tell me again how I was so awesome when I prophesied to you. <laughs> you know? and, but, you know, life moves on. And we need to, to be able to live a life that's giving without the requirement that the person reciprocate. Sometimes we need to have people in our lives where we just, we're just giving and we know nothing is going to come back to us. I had a young man uh, a year or so ago that uh, voiced an interest in our school. Um, and I began get with, getting with him on a regular basis. And about three weeks in, he announces to me that he decided to go to Bethel in Redding, California which is the school, the curriculum that we use in our school, but he's going, to go to, he's going to go to California. Part of me wanted to say, well, that's the end of this friendly, <laughs> friendly uh, give and take. You know. But then it was like the Lord nudged me and said, no, this, this young man, this particular young man is looking to you as a father figure. He needs a father in his life. And so we, we had talked about that kind of relationship, and so we began meeting on a weekly basis and he's still planning on going to Bethel. And my agenda was not to change his mind. But I realized, hey, this, this thing is, I'm not getting something out of him for me. The nature of this relationship is I'm on the giving end. And it's, that's my understanding as a father. I'm going to be a father to him. And it's been a beautiful and wonderful thing. And, of course, it's impossible to water without getting watered yourself. The Bible says, he who waters shall himself be watered also, unconditional encouragement. It's really important. Sometimes I've entered relationships and I, and I realize, or, or even conversations with people, and I realize, okay, they're not going to ask me about me. They don't, maybe not, don't seem interested in me at this point. And so I can make a decision. Either I can say, well, I'm only staying, hanging this, in this conversation if... It's going to be mutual, but sometimes it's okay and even necessary for us to be involved in relationship and in a conversation where the beneficiary is not us. It's the other person. And there's something beautiful and cleansing and wonderful about that where you make it about the other person. So that's too convicting, though. Let's move on. All right, I want to spend a few minutes just talking about the... Three ways that, uh, or three aspects of our encouragement to others. We're talking about, you know, it's important for us to receive encouragement for ourselves. Now let's talk about the encouragement that we give to others. First of all, people need the encouragement of your presence. Your presence. Luke 19 is the story of Zacchaeus. You know, he climbs a tree to see Jesus, and uh, Jesus uh, comes uh, up to him. And in verse 5, it says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So Jesus didn't say, come to my house. He said, I'm coming to your world. I'm coming to, I need to come to your place. So what did that say to Zacchaeus? I'm important. He wants to come to my house. I mean, this, this person that I, everybody's enamored by, and everybody's following, and I had to climb a tree just to get to see him. He wants to come to my house. And, and to me, this speaks of being willing to immerse 
ourselves in the world of someone else without any regard for, for what we need at the moment. Because you know what? The fact of the matter is I've got a, a wonderful wife and friends who encourage me a whole, whole lot. And so I don't need to get encouragement from everybody. There's some people in my life that I just need to give encouragement to. Sometimes it's mutual, but many times I'm on the giving end. And it's my job to enter into their house, their world, their circumstances, listen to their story without judgment, but just to say value. How many of you know that when somebody listens to you, they're conveying value? You're saying you are valuable. And it may be that when you're listening, it's not stuff that you even want to hear. You know, it's not like interesting or it's not, not interesting to you or, or you may even disagree with what you're hearing, but listening conveys value. Hmm, that's too, that's too convicting. Let's move on. And the second, secondly, the encouragement of our perception. People not only need the encouragement of our presence, they need the encouragement of our perceptions. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Jesus had a perception about Nathanael's heart that was valuable to him, that touched him. I've seen it over and over again, and many of you have too, where you might give a, word, a prophetic word to someone. They could be a stranger and just nailed where they are, what's in their heart, what's important to them. And all of a sudden they have the realization, God is here and he knows me and he cares about me. Somebody noticed me. Like with my situation with Sandy and the, the singing and all that, she had a perception about me that I didn't have about myself. But God wanted me to switch out my perception for her perception. He wanted me to acknowledge something that was true about me that I was afraid or I was reluctant to admit about myself. How I many you know that some, the, many, of, many people can see the stuff, the good stuff inside of you that you don't see? That's where we really need to make ourselves vulnerable to other people's encouragement and go, you know, I think they're right about this. I need to change my behavior accordingly. So people need to hear the, the encouragement Of your perception. Man, I just feel the holy presence of Jesus in here, you know? He, he knows stuff about us that he wants to draw out of us. He wants to mine the gold out of us. And you know, you can do this for a person who's not following Jesus or a person who is a follower of Jesus but is presently rebelling against him not doing the right thing. How many of you know the goodness of God leads us to repentance? So many times when we get what we don't deserve from God, it turns our hearts, it awakens our hearts to his goodness and, and to his love, and we, we go, ah, i gotta, I got to stop being a knucklehead. <laughs> i got to stop being a knucklehead, and i got to let God do something in my life. We need people in our lives that can encourage us and hold us to our destiny. You know, there's a whole lot of a big movement in the church, which is really, I think, generally good about accountability. 
that we need accountability partners and talk to, you know, and basically for guys, especially it's been, you need to talk to somebody about your sexual thoughts, <laughs> you know, inappropriate ones. But, and it's good that we have accountability with one another where that's concerned, where matters of the heart are concerned. But what about also having accountability partners who know your destiny and will call you up to it and say, man, you, you're too good to be acting like this right now. You know, this is, you've got too great a destiny to settle for this in your life. So, wow, you guys are really thinking out there. That's good. You know, this is such an encouraging church. You know, I just, I just, I just know that there are people that are, that are in this room who are just one encouragement away from fulfilling their destiny. Wow. Think about it that way. It may be something small that you say to them, like I can't think of a single reason why you shouldn't do this school, but it may mean the world to them. Don't hold back. Yay. I'm feeling excited in my heart. And then the, so people need the encouragement of our presence, of our perception, and thirdly, of our process. They need the encouragement of our process. You know, your testimony is huge. I don't like to hear anybody say, I have just a small testimony. If God is involved, ain't no small testimony. Every testimony is significant because God was involved in it, right? The God of the universe is involved in my life and did something that nobody else could do. People need to hear that testimony. The root word of the word testimony means do again. So when you give a testimony, what you are proclaiming is God can do this again for you. So you know, your testimony, you, you are a repository of profound encouragement because you have testimonies. You are, a test, you are an encouragement machine because of what God's done in your life. And you can just tell a little part of your story and bring encouragement to somebody else's heart. just want to close with um, a story of um, a friend of ours who's um, actually related to our son by marriage. His, it's, this is his sister-in-law, our son's sister-in-law. She's pictured here uh, with two of her children. She also has a daughter. And this is what she, she wrote this on Facebook recently, and I, I messaged her, and I said, hey, I'm doing this message on encouragement. This is so great. Could, could I share part of your story? She said, oh, absolutely. You made my day. So she's going to encourage you. I encourage her. You see how this works? It's the circle of life. For parents out there who are still using drugs, and I'm not excluding alcohol, I used, to, I used to be you. I used to think just because I stayed home with my child and fed into my self-destructive behavior, it was acceptable because I wasn't out on the roads doing it. I was also under the delusion that my child didn't have any idea what I was doing. I was wrong. I also used to think because I would leave my child with someone else while I was out dancing with the devil and drowning myself in drugs and, yes, alcohol, a legal drug, that it was acceptable because my child wasn't with me. I was wrong again. I took precious time away from my children because of my own selfishness. I used to always obsess, think about it, and plan the next time I could get high or as wasted as possible. 
I was trying to drown my fears, anxiety, shame, and pain that I didn't want to face. I couldn't stand myself, couldn't forgive myself, couldn't be alone with myself. So getting obliterated was the only option I could see. I just want people to understand the cycle of addiction and to know that you can get help. You can reach out. You're not alone. Five and a half years later, I'm just a boring 30-something-year-old girl who has her children and a life that is more beautiful than I could have ever imagined. She gives all the glory to Jesus for what he's done in her life. She made it out of that pit. That's encouraging. That's... That's the, she let us in on the encouragement of her process. How many of you are under process with God? And God is doing things in your life all the time. So people need the encouragement of your presence. Sometimes words are not needed. Sometimes people need the encouragement of your perceptions about them. Good ones. You caught them doing something good. Sometimes people need the encouragement of your process. Here's my story. Was Sandy and I were in a restaurant uh, a while back, and uh, it was obvious that there was tension among the staff. And it was a guy that was bussing tables, and he was like slamming saucers and dishes and plates kind of like on top of the trash can, you know, and, and staring darts at, I think, his supervisor, and they weren't really communicating, and it looked, looked to be a very tense situation. Not the kind of... Maybe that's what the Bible meant when it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> not really. But it's not a very, really, really, really pleasant place to be. But just watching. And I just love, uh, you know, giving Jehovah Sneaky a chance to get into a situation and change, you know, change the situation. Because we can either, we can just sit there and go, man, what a terrible working environment this is, and it's not great for the customers, and I'll never come back here. Or you can say, what could I do to change things here? Because, as we know, we are, we are called to be thermostats, not thermometers. We can, read, we can read the weather, but even a non-Christian can do that. But the believer's edge is that we can read the weather, and we can change it. So, I go over to the guy after we're done eating, and he's, over, he's been slamming dishes and stuff. And uh, I said, hey, man, I just wanted to tell you that I've been watching you for the last few minutes, and I just noticed how hard you work. And you are, you are a real blessing to this establishment. I mean, these guys are lucky to have you here. And it's like all that anger and that tenseness just kind of drained out of his face and his being. It's like, oh, Thank you so much. I said, oh, that's awesome. The encouragement of your perspective can, make, can be a game changer in people's lives. Amen. Amen. Would you stand, please? All right. We're going to go look at that. Uh, I hope to see your faces on the cover of CQ magazine soon. <laughs> but I want you to revisit in your mind... Uh, what, what number you were at here, and I'd like Lynn to come forward, and pro- she's going to play some encouraging music. <laughs>